Feelings make humans unique. America's scar tissue. The history of Thanksgiving. And why I need the holiday season. Man stands with America. This is Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on the Blaze Radio Network. Hello, America. Thank you so much for tuning in today. This, of course, is the show where you come for the accent and you come for the principles. Today, I want to talk to you about something different. If you're like me right now, You're probably really looking forward to Thanksgiving. It's next Thursday. And then you're probably looking forward to Christmas and the holidays and spending some time with loved ones. And all the media wants to talk about this week has been, Oh my God, did you hear what so-and-so said? Oh my God, Adam Schiff is so awesome. And then, of course, you have fart cakes. This is what's going on in your media right now. There are actual stories to discuss. There's a situation in Iran. There's craziness going on there. The situation in Hong Kong is is very close to getting to a point where I think they're going to start killing people in the streets. You have the situation in England which is just horrific. We discussed it last week. What you have is bad things happening because in some way, shape, or form, government isn't doing its job. But not only is government not doing its job, it's not set on a foundation that is built to last. Man's opinion is never meant to last. Man's opinion changes. And can change at a given of a moment's notice. If the wind blows, it can change. So I don't want to discuss any of those issues with you. We can discuss them at another time. Because today I want to do something different. And I want to talk to you about mental scarring and our emotions. You know, if you look at a the sides in America, and I hate the way it's always left versus right and Republican versus Democrat, because it be- makes things oversimplified. I've We've discussed this at length on this show over the years, but it makes things so simplified. Oh, you're a Republican, so you believe in one, two, three, and four, and I'm a lefty because I believe in ABC. But in a simplistic way, when we talk about arguments, there's this myth out there that says the left only care about emotions. You'll see this, a a prime example of modern day leftist thinking based on emotions is how you feel. So I'm a guy. I have always been a guy. I have a sausage and 
two meatballs between my legs. I have nothing else. But if I said, gee, do you know what? I feel like I'm Joanna today. Well, guess what? I, I'm Joanna today. And if the rest of the world goes, no, I've always known you as Jonathan, not Joanna. And I say, no, you have to call me Joanna. I'm Joanna now. I have boobs and I'm going through the change. You have to respect that. Because if you don't respect me and call me Joanna, you're a hater. What are you, a transphobe? There's no science. There's no empirical evidence to support this feeling. It's just emotions. And then you have our friends on the right who are, you know, belong to this kind of ideology in some ways where it's like Ben Shapiro made it famous. You know, facts don't care about your feelings. Now, this is a very simplified view because I don't actually believe it's like this. But I don't think either of those are the winning answer. I actually believe the winning answer is facts and feelings. That's the solution. Because we need to stop dismissing emotions as, well, we're just facts-based. Everything that we do is fact-based. Look, I'm all for facts. I'm a numbers guy. I'm a stats guy. You know, numbers, one of the reasons I love numbers is you can't hide. You know, if you're putting two and two and you come up with anything bar four, you're wrong. So there is science and there is no fear of that. But also, we cannot dismiss emotions. Because emotions are inherently what makes us unique as well. Emotions are what separate us from, me from everyone who listens, good or bad. But also us as humans, as mankind, as male and female, because there are two genders, male and female, and separates us from animals. What separates mankind from a lion? What separates, you know, man or woman from a cub, from a dog, from a, I don't know, a any animal, pick any animal, a shark? What separates us? There are many thing characteristics you might say, well, our body shape, well, we have legs. Okay, well, chickens have legs. What separates us from chickens? Well, you know, we don't have wings. Well, lots of things don't have wings. You know, you can go down this list, but what separates us? What makes us different? There are many characteristics that make us different, but they all boil down to emotion. And in many ways, there is one emotion group that separates us from all other animals. And that is our imagination. You know, imagination is an incredibly powerful tool, and it is an emotion. This idea to be able to see something, to be able to look at the world and go, there's this gap, I have this idea, we could do this, we could drive in cars, we could go to the moon, we could have computers, we could have phones, we could have microphones, we could have podcasts. This idea to be able to verbalize that and have that imagination and then be able to verbalize what you want to do and then create what you want to do in many ways, separates us from other animals. That's one of the things. And I know people say, well, is is creativity and imagination really an emotion? I believe it is in in many aspects. You're, you're You're visualizing something. You're emoting something. But that is what separates us. But also what separates us from each other is we can look at the exact same situation and come up with a totally different feeling. Let me give you a simple example about this. 
And this is a, the simplest, simplest example. And I was going to say you could do this, uh, uh, compare an American and the rest of the world. But today in 2019, because things are so messed up and so on their head, you could just take two Americans about this. Just think of how you feel about your country. How you feel about your country. You could have one American who goes, oh my God, I love America. I see the stars and stripes and oh, I just get weak at the knees. I think of our national anthem. I think of everything we have done. I feel proud to be an American. These are some things you might hear from the right. But if you dismiss them and go, well, facts don't care about your feelings, then what you've just described is your feelings. Is that, is that not important? You know, I hear a lot of people say now because Donald Trump is president and different things and they go, well, I'm, I'm proud to be an American again. I heard this from my friends on the left, by the way, when it was under Barack Obama. I'm proud to be an American because of we we've broken the barrier of our first black president. These are all emotions. Are these inherently bad? Are these inherently going, oh, well, you know, we should only be talking facts here. Because let me boil down and explain to you why emotions are so important. There are many things that made America unique. And we're going to discuss a few of them later on in the show about Thanksgiving. But one of the core tenets that made America exceptional about your pilgrims was this idea of family. To have a family, in the traditional sense, you need one man and one woman to fall in love with each other, to commit the rest of their lives to each other, and then to, you know, do the whatever it is you do, and all of a sudden, nine months later, comes along right you can fill in all the blanks i'm i'm not this is not a birds and the bees discussion <laughs> this is on you if you don't know how that happens if you don't know how a man loves a woman in a very special way and nine months later happens you all need to ask mommy and daddy or ever who it is because that's that's a that, go find another podcast but how does that happen what is that all built on that is all built on love this idea of I will spend the rest of my life with you. I will worship you. I will love you. I will risk my life for you. That is all built, not on a fact, but on a feeling. This emotion is so critical to the world. But I'll go one step further on this to show you the power of emotions. America is built on a Christian nation. They'd love to say America is a Christian nation. It is built on Christian beliefs. Well, if you read, and if let's just, let's look at the Bible, and let's just go, and I'm, I don't literally mean this, but I'm just, to, just to highlight a point. Let's say, you know what? Old Testament. Yeah! Boring. Boring. Oh. You know, if you've only ever watched some Hollywood movies, you think it's full of rock people and, oh, oh, boring and floods and, oh, there was this prophet and it was some dude called Moses and, oh, the seas were all parted. Oh, boring. Okay, let's just take that. And let's say, you know what, you just went, you know what, after the New Testament, after the four Gospels, you just went, you know what, don't care. The main event was all Jesus. That's what you say as a Christian. Right Now, I'm not saying literally do this, but I'm just trying to prove a point. And all you read of the Bible, you scrap everything, you burn every page of the Old Testament, and 
probably about 90% of the New Testament. But the four books that survive, or the four chapters, or the four, whatever you want to call them in the Bible, because everyone has different names for them. You have the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And that's all you can read as a Christian. That is all you can read. What is the one thing that strikes you about that? What is the one thing that pops page after page after page after page after page? It isn't a fact. It's an emotion. And that emotion is love. Look, I get the idea of facts don't care about your feelings. I really do. I am a numbers guy. I'm a stats guy. I'm empirical evidence guy. I want to find answers. But we cannot dismiss emotions. Emotions are critical. Emotions are what make the world go round in many ways, for better or for worse. Now, why did I stress start this way? Why did I want to make the point why emotions are so important? I'll tell you when we get back. new show every Saturday at 12 noon Eastern we're on all major platforms we're on SoundCloud iTunes iHeartRadio Google Play Music Spotify OmniFM CastBox and Spotify you name it we're there search Freedom's Disciple this is your first time listening welcome please subscribe and check out a new show also if you happen to listen on iTunes or CastBox please leave us a rating and review it helps with the algorithm and it helps new listeners find us each and every week I want to talk to you about emotions But I also want to talk to you about scar tissue. Emotions can be really good. We all experience them countless times every day. Every minute of every day. You know, you can, if you're like me, the day on Thursday, I woke up in really okay mood on Thursday. I woke up at uh, 4.55 a.m. I got up, I got washed. Got dressed, got in my van, started work, and I was okay. By 6.05, I was really peed out, oft. I was, I, I was really annoyed because something happened in work. I wasn't in work five minutes on Thursday morning, on, and I was in the height of it all day. I won't lie. Um, just someone had to go uh, out, of, out of order, out of line. But it's amazing. It just one little thing happened. And I struggled the rest of the day to get back into sync because it was annoying me all day. Someone accused me of something, of doing something um, that I didn't do. And it turns out that the message that I was supposed to get, I didn't get. And then no one else took responsibility. And basically, long story short, you don't need to know about my work life, but I got thrown under the bus, literally. And I'm a big guy to get thrown under a bus, so it was quite a bump. But our habits, our feelings, our emotions are important. In many ways, we can learn so many things about life from sports. You know, we if you ask any sports person, the most important part of their game, regardless whether you're playing baseball or whether you're a pitcher or hitter, whether you're playing football or basketball or golf or hockey, whatever your sport is, The most important thing to remember is the mindset. 
How do you feel? Are you confident? Are you ready? And we all have this, you know, in no matter what sport you play at, what level you play it. You know, if you if your your local sports team is playing someone, you always have teams you feel really confident. No matter what their record is, you just match up really well against them. You know, to annoy everyone and make everyone stop listening to the podcast, I could point out here, you know, when the Yankees play the Twins in postseasons, it's, it doesn't matter whether the players are the same or not. The Yankees just have their number and i'm not dismissing the twins i'm I'm obviously a big yankee fan but it's just it's their their team it's happened like since 2002 even though no one played for the minnesota twins in 2002 nor the yankees there's this record this streak you just have that comfort level it's it's the twins we'll beat them it's postseason but you also have it on the flip side you always have those bogey teams you know those teams regardless of whether they're playing good or bad you're just like oh i hate going there let me, I'll use, since I use the Yankees as a good analogy, I'll also use it as a bad analogy. The Yankees have a really bad record in, oh God, what stadium is it? It's the Oakland Athletics. Uh, I think it's the Coliseum. The Yankees, anytime they go over in the West Coast, it's like, oh, ay ay ay, not good. Anytime they go to Oakland, they seem to get beaten. The Oakland could suck and the Yankees could be great, because of course the Yankees are always great. They're just a bogey team, especially in Oakland. We all have them. What is this? It's all about your mindset. And whether we like it or not, or whether we're even conscious of it or not, we're constantly creating scar tissue. Some of it good and some of it bad. It's how we feel. You have this in your day-to-day life. Let me give you an example just about you guys. You all have this scar tissue, whether you know it or not. You know that chore you gotta have to do around the house? Oh, I gotta do laundry. I'll give you my one. Oh, I got a Hoover. Oh, jeez. And, and I don't know what it is. It's just psychological. You know, you got to take the Hoover out from under the stairs. And you got to move all the stuff to get to the Hoover. And then you got to pull it out. And then you got to... It just seems like such hard work. And then you got to pull the plug and pull it all the way and put it into the socket. And then you got to Hoover back and forth and back and forth, back and forth. And it's like... Oh. And then all of a sudden when it's done, you're like, yes, that's done. You get that little emotion, Russ. These are all emotions. These are the scar tissues that we have. But I want to talk to you about just going further on the sports analogy. When you have a series of things, and people do this when you have kids, when you're talking about, you know, 8-year-olds, 10-year-olds, 12-year-olds, 14-year-olds, 16-year-olds, as they're learning and they're adapting. One of the things you're always conscious of, or should be if you're a coach, is you want to protect those younger kids. You don't want to build up bad scar tissue. That scar tissue where you're, you know, you're, you're hesitant of doing things. A prime example of this is a quarterback in football. You always want to protect your quarterback, whether you're, you know, whether you're the coach, you always want to do it no matter what the, you know, what level you're playing at. But especially as a kid, if you know some quarterback who's always wanted to be a quarterback and all of a sudden plays quarterback and is like, yeah, bing, 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 boom, and gets hit. You always want to protect them. You always want to get them back in the lineup as quickly as possible because you don't want that lingering thought, that scar tissue building up of, geez, it was great when I was throwing passes and I was dropping back and getting protected. And then all of a sudden I got hit. Man, that hurt. There is a reason I'm talking about this, by the way, so bear with me. But this is what happens, the scar tissue. The last thing you want is your quarterback going, am I going to get hit? 
If he's all of a sudden thinking, I'm going to get hit and is, is not throwing freely and not moving freely, guess what? He's going to make bad passes. He's not going to make the right decisions. Because it's all emotions. It's all how you're feeling. We all have these different things. We have different aspects of our jobs, of our lives that are really confident. Yeah, I can do this. I can do this. This is awesome. And then there's other parts where you're like, oh my God, no. I suck at this. I can't. The scar tissues are critical. I want to talk to you today because we're at Thanksgiving and because I don't want to talk to you about the news of the day, which I find so boring. But I want to talk to you about your lifestyle and also the lifestyle of every American and everyone around the world. And I want you to look real closely inwards today, and especially as we approach Thanksgiving week. And I want you to look around at the habits you are forming. You know, we always think, and we'll come to this in, in a couple of months, actually less than a couple of months, six weeks, in the new year. You know, most people will do this, it gets January 1, I'm, I have a New Year's resolution, I'm going to fill in the blank. I'm going to eat less chocolate, I'm going to drink less, I'm going to be a better friend, I'm going to be a better lover, I'm going to do all these different things. And probably by February 1st, it's, I said, what? I said I was going to eat less chocolate. I No, you lie. You lie, you're fake news. We always set up these habits. We all have these habits, you know, how we do things. It'd be funny, you know, there's all these memes around, because it's. I find them funny because people get really offended by them. What way is the right way to hang a toilet roll? You know, is it sheet front or sheet down at the back? But this is all habits. We are building habits whether we know it or not. It's just, you can choose which habits you want to build. These are all built on feelings. It gets into repetitive repetition. This is what your lifestyle is. As you're getting through and going through Thanksgiving, I'd ask you just to take a few minutes and ask you to look around and think, what emotions are you feeling? What emotions do you see happening right now? What habits are you forming? What patterns in your life do you continuously do? And are they good or are they bad? Do you need to change them? And can you change them even mildly? You know, a prime example, this is more maybe an Irish example because it happens, but a lot of people still go to the pub on a Friday night and they have their eight, ten pints. Now, am I saying that's a bad thing? No. But can you change it? I need to drink a bit less. Maybe if I have seven pints. Or maybe if I have six and a shot. Whatever it is. But we all have these habits. Some of them are good and some of them are bad. Which ones are yours? What ones are good for you? But also, what habits do you have in your family? What habits and lifestyles are you building for yourself and your kids? Are they good or are they bad? Are you building confidence? Are you growing towards something? I don't know about you, but... And I'm going to talk to you later on in this show about myself personally and just some of the feelings I'm having right now. But so many times in life, it seems so many people today, and I don't know if you guys feel this, but I see it an awful lot. A lot of people are just struggling to survive. It's just, another day over, I survived. I survived. How many of you feel like that? Especially when you look around at the media and you look around at what's been said and you look around at what everything is going on. Is it just a case of, oh, no, survived another day? Survived another week? I survived another month without going bankrupt. 
How many people do you know today are just trying to survive? And I don't mean, because people will make this, what's this, you linking this to the economy? Well, there might be financial issues that people have. But even just in life, we're just, how many people are just surviving and just living life and just going with the emotions, going with the motions of the day? They're just, they're working towards nothing. And how many people do you know, and are you one of them, who's striving for a better tomorrow? Who's actively looking forward? Who's actively working towards something bigger than themselves? How many people are dreaming of a better tomorrow for themselves? Maybe, I don't know what it is. It can be something small. Maybe lose weight. Be a better neighbor. Be a better friend. How many people are going to be the best father or mother they can be? These are all critical things, especially as we start talking about Thanksgiving. But now I also want you to ask you and look around at America today. And look around at what habits are the American people forming? What habits are becoming pretty much ingrained in your culture? You can think of this from an economic point of view. You can think of this from a political point of view. You can think of this from a cultural point of view. But what positive habits are America working towards and working to form right now? Is there any aspect of the American culture and society that you could say, you know what, this is as good as it gets. This is pretty nigh on perfect. You know, I look at your politics. And I look around at what's going on and what's been said. What's What habits have been formed? I ask this especially as we approach Thanksgiving because everyone I know will always say this. Oh, I can't wait for Thanksgiving. It'll be great to be around the table and, you know, to have some turkey and, you know, all your favorite add-ons, you know, some stuffing, some cranberry sauce, some taters. But invariably, you'd always go, I'm really looking forward to it, but there's this fam, that family member. That, oh man, I, I, do you know what? I wish they wouldn't come. We all have them. In fair, in fairness, I don't have them. It's usually me. <laughs> but you know that family member that comes along and you're just like, oh, oh, just, just be nice. Just say nothing to them. Just, just say nothing. Because you know, invariably, it's going to end up in an argument. What habits are we forming? Look around at the division in your country right now. Look around at the division and what you see. Is your society healthy? Look at how all our friends on both sides of the aisle always see the worst in each other. And not the best. Is that healthy? You know, I'm blessed to have friends on people I talk to on both sides of the aisle. Actually, it's not both sides of the aisle, it's all sides of the aisle. I have friends who are Democrats who, to be fair, I haven't really spoke to them about 2020 because I, I know this sounds really bad. Anytime I say this, it always sounds bad and people always take the worst meaning of it. I don't care how you vote. <gasps> what? You don't care about my opinion? No, I, I do. I'll listen, but I don't care. I don't know who they're going to vote for. I know a couple are voting, I'm guessing, for Bernie Sanders because they voted for Bernie Sanders in 2016. And I haven't seen anything from them that would suggest they're going to change their vote. Now, maybe they do. But it hasn't come up. We'll talk principles and we disagree on principles and that's okay. 
But our friends on the left still think all the right-wingers are Trump supporters, are Nazis, are racists, or hate women, hate Muslims, hate this, hate that. My friends on the right think the same about the left. But even with my friends on the right, I have people who have told me, and I haven't asked and I don't engage too much, who they're going to vote for in 2020. They voted for Trump in 2016, they'll vote for him again in 2020. I have people who voted for him in 2016, won't vote for him in 2020. Vice versa, I have friends who vote, won't, didn't vote for him in 2016 and will, will vote for him in 2020. We automatically think the worst from each other. And I guarantee you, regardless of how you felt, you went, what? Who voted, who voted for Trump in 2016 and didn't, won't vote for him in 2020? Or vice versa. Who didn't vote for him in 2016 and is gonna vote for him in 20, if you, depending on your ideological point of view. What, why would they do that? Why would they change? I don't know. That's up to them. But look at the habits that you're forming, how you base everything on a label, on a vote. How did you vote? Did you vote the right way? You're building this habit of how we judge not on the content of your character, but on how you vote on one day of the year. Is this healthy? What scars are you creating for the next generation? What scars are you creating for yourselves where you're literally building up all this hatred towards people you don't even know anything about? You're buying into this myth that the media are playing you for. And yes, they are playing you like dupes. Because if you actually put down the labels and you put down all the names and you just started talking to each other again and yes, having the foundation of we may talk and we will understand that at the end of our conversation we will both agree to disagree but we won't hate each other. If Americans came together and started talking like that again DC wouldn't function, the media wouldn't function. But they get their ratings because both sides of the aisle have this habit and have you hook, line, and sinker, or so many of you hook, line, and sinker, where all they have to do is go, they're the problem. I don't know who they are, but it's always someone else. And then everyone goes, oh yeah, it is them. They're the problem. These are habits. What habits are you forming? What positive habits are you creating right now? And I'll say this to my Christian friends. What habits are you living right now? Are you living the words of Jesus? Are you the Christian that actually follows Jesus? Are you the Christian Gandhi spoke about? Where Gandhi was like, you know, I love this Jesus, dude. And that Bible is pretty good, but I'm not a big fan of his followers. Or he also then said, you know, Christ, you know, the Bible's a great book. Christians should read it sometime. Now, I'm speaking to myself a lot here as well, by the way. I'm not just pointing fingers. A lot of the time when I'm talking behind the microphone and to you guys, I'm also speaking to myself. But what habits are you trying to create? Because Thanksgiving is an amazing holiday. You know, Ireland doesn't have a Thanksgiving Next Thursday is just another day in Ireland. It's just, meh. 
It's Thursday. It's the day before Friday, the day after Wednesday. Huh? And we're building up right now. Everything in Ireland is building up to Christmas. In fairness, it was building up to Christmas before Halloween because we've just become so commercialized and everybody just wants presents. And all the retailers are so cash-strapped and looking for money that they're bringing out Christmas sales. I believe one of the shops in Ireland had a Christmas sale in July. Yes, July. Because they're just looking for money, 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 money. But one of the reasons I love America so much is because you get the holidays right. You have that trifecta of holidays and you have them in the right order. Where you have Thanksgiving, a day not about commercialism, not about giving presents, not about, hey, I got a new PlayStation and I got this and you only got what? I got more presents than you did. A day where you just spend time with your family and your friends. A day where a lot of mothers and a lot of wives will get up at ungodly hours to make sure the turkey is prepped right. We'll get up at ungodly hours just to make sure that meal with your family and your friends or ever who you have around is just right. And you will eat to probably, if you were like me, to excess. But you give thanks. It's a day where everything is pretty much closed. And you're just saying thank you. And we'll discuss Thanksgiving in a minute. And then you move on to past Thanksgiving and you move on to Christmas and Christmas means many different things for many different people it means different things for atheists it means different things for our Jewish brothers and sisters it means many different things to Christians it means many different people's things to society is it the day that Santa Claus comes is it the day people get loads and loads and loads of presents I remember when I was growing up we you got a surprise in the selection box that's what we got That was our Christmas present. I can't complain. We didn't know any different. And I got some pretty cool gifts. Now, I get nothing really. Don't want anything. But you see kids today and they get all these different things. All these different presents. They shop through catalogs. I want this toy and I want this toy and I want this toy. And they're all so expensive. And invariably they'll get the toy they want. And how long will it last? A day? A week if you're lucky. But Christmas, in simple terms, as much as it means something something different to everyone, I think without being disrespectful to anyone anyone else's beliefs, Christmas for me is a story, and I believe a true story, of how one person can change the world, of renewal. Of setting up a different path forward. And that celebration that a savior is born. Especially that's what you believe if you're a Christian. And then you move on to New Year. And you eat to excess again at Christmas. And again our our wives and our mothers. Sorry your wives. My mother. We all cook. For that Christmas dinner to be perfect. And we eat to excess again. And some of you drink to excess. Then you move to New Year. And New Year is your, your personal chance to go, hey, I'm going to be different in 2020. I'm going to do things different. I've always said America, the way it's ha- got its holidays, is critical. 
If you understand these three holidays and whatever Christmas means to you, regardless of your personal beliefs, but if you use those three holidays to reset your mindset, amazing things can happen. Because 2020 is a big year in American history. And 2020, I believe, is, is going to give you an opportunity to decide once again who you are going to be. Who you want to be as a nation. And I don't mean whether you want to be a Republican America or a Democratic America or Trump's America or Biden or Sanders America. I mean, what America do you want to be? Do you want to be a free America? Do you want to be a hopeful America? Do you want to be a comfortable America? What America do you want to be? But before we can look forward to 2020, it's absolutely critical we understand what's gone before us. And that's why for the next few minutes, I want to talk to you about your pilgrims. I want to share why Thanksgiving is so critical and why you celebrate Thanksgiving. I'd love to know what habits, good or bad, you think you're forming or what your mental scars are. If I'm on, if you want to get in contact, I'm on Twitter, at Freedom Disciple, Facebook, Jonathan Dunn 58 As always, I love hearing from you guys. I love engaging with you. Um, most of the time, it's best if you message me privately because my Facebook and Twitter go crazy. Um, especially for Twitter, it's impossible to keep up. And I do miss some tweets. I want to talk to you about Thanksgiving. Because a lot of people... Today, we'll celebrate Thanksgiving on Thursday. They'll get around with their family and their friends, and they'll eat a lot. Some people might call it football day. But what are you actually celebrating? You're celebrating many things to many different people, but I want to talk to you as an outsider why I love Thanksgiving and why it is one of my little dreams to actually spend one Thanksgiving in America. It always upsets me every year I say this, and I think I've said it for, I've said it for a long time now, but I think I've said it each Thanksgiving show on this network. Where I'm like, I don't care if I just literally have to go and like feed the homeless. I just want to be there for one Thanksgiving. And every year, for whatever reason, I just don't seem to be able to get there. I know the last couple of years it's been because of the industry I work in and pretty much from October 1st, holidays are because uh-uh, it's retail. But one day I hope to get there because, man, I would love to celebrate your Thanksgiving and I want to tell you why. And I want to share a story with you, a story some of you may know a lot of, some of you may know a little of, or some of you may have never heard before. But this is why you're celebrating Thanksgiving and this is why I think you're exceptional. For me, you have to, to understand America, you have to understand its uniqueness. And I do my best, whether it's good or bad, each and every week, talking to you about your uniqueness. I talk to you about your constitution, I talk to you about your bill of rights, I talk to to you about your declaration of independence. America is an idea. It is this idea that all men are created equal. And that 
they have rights from their creator, whether you believe it's God, whether you believe it's Allah, whether you believe it's a stone, but you have these rights. And governments are instituted among men to protect those rights, not to give you rights, not to take rights away, but to protect them. America is, at its core, to me, an idea. I love your nation, your land, your country. It's a beautiful, beautiful land. It's so diverse, with so many different cultures, with so many different ways of life, with so many different ways of looking at things. And even the way your ground is, it's different. Remember I did a trip, I think it was last year, when I did a big speaking tour? Where literally I spent time up north and down south. And I was traveling from north to south. And just the, the way your your ground is, it's so lush and green and beautiful up, up north. The clay is gray, or not gray, but sort of, I'm really bad at colors, sort of brown and deep and rich. And then as you sort of move down to the middle of the country and down, down south, it's more sand desert based. And it's more, you know, drier. It's beautiful. So diverse. It's amazing that, you know, you can literally be in America in one place and be in snow and freezing cold weather, which sucks. Now, you can be in beautiful 100 degree weather in Texas, which is awesome because you get to see me in shorts. And who who does not want to see me in shorts? But that's your country. It's amazing. Different climates, different weathers, different attitudes. But America at its core is an idea. And it started from, I believe, 1620. There's always this great debate of when America started. Was it in Jamestown or was it in Plymouth? I believe because I see America as an idea. But also as a Christian, I actually see things that America was this faraway land that was just put in in the part of the globe which would be very hard to get to from not today's standards, not from standards 50 years ago or 100 years ago, but from 500 years ago, from 1,000 years ago, it would be impossible nearly to get to. And it would be this land far, far away, out of touch, out of sight, out of reach, and out of off everyone's radar. And man would try and rule himself. And man would ultimately fail. But there would always be this faraway land that's unnamed, that we would call America, that eventually man could escape to, could escape to to be free. And that there was such a distance between that land and all the other lands that it would be hard for a government that was set up and entrenched to control. Because it wasn't just, hey, I'm the king, I need to go over and talk to those people over living in America. They're they're subjects of mine. I'm going to go get on my private jet and fly over there. It didn't happen. I believe that is why America is so far away. Now, this I will be very crystal clear because I always am on this show. This is my opinion based on everything I have read and my personal beliefs. You may see things differently, and that's okay. But if you read a lot about Jamestown, you'll understand to them America wasn't really an idea. America was more an opportunity. For me, Plymouth, And your pilgrims were what the started of America. Because they sought out a brighter tomorrow. They sought out a different tomorrow. Because they were people who wanted a better 
tomorrow. They wanted religious freedom. They wanted this opportunity to worship as they saw fit. They wanted this opportunity to be free. Not to be controlled by a king. Not to be under a king's thumb. They just wanted that opportunity to do what they wish. To pursue their happiness, quote unquote. I would ask you just to think about a couple of things this Thanksgiving. The risk those people took. You know, when we talk about travel, when we talk about transportation, it is really hard to think about it from the 1600s point of view. You know, we think of travel today and, you know, I'll be, I'll be the first to admit, and I'm not going to point any other fingers, I'll point it at me, where I, I moan, bitch, and complain because I'm a bigger guy about getting on a plane for eight hours to fly to America because the seats are so small and, like, the leg room is tiny and the food, oh, my God, have you ever gotten good airline food? We moan and bitch and complain about that. I know I do. And we moan about TSA patting us down and scanning our luggage and, you know, getting in that machine where we put our hands up and like, hands up, don't shoot. And they take a picture of us and we go through all this process and it's such an effort to fly to America. Like literally for me to fly to America, it is an all day thing. But go back to 1620 and put yourself in the mindset. The reason I opened this show talking about the mindset and the scarring and the opportunities and what habits are you forming was because I want to talk to you about Thanksgiving and I want to talk to you about the first pilgrims. I want to talk to you about what mindset they had about leaving because they knew. I heard Glenn and other people say this and, you know, there's people out there saying that, well, the reason they went over was because of a recession. Bullcrap. You read any of their writing, it's just pretty clear it wasn't because of a recession. There is a right-washing of history, and there's also an ignoring of history, which is scary to me. But I'd ask you just to think about their mindsets. So they're living in England, they're living under the king, and they go, you know what? We're going to go and go off for a brighter tomorrow. They're going to go off and set sail on the Mayflower. And in August 1620... That's exactly what they did. They set sail from Southampton, England, on two ships, the Mayflower and the Speedwell. However, and this is the first obstacle you got to feel. So just put yourself, it's a lot of families. It's 102 people, 101 people, sorry. And you're setting sail in August. And you know the journey is going to be really hard. You know it's going to be brutal. And then you get, and you start making your way. And then the speedwell starts leaking. And you gotta go back to port. You gotta go back to Plymouth. What mindset would you have? It would be very easy just to go, oh man, this isn't meant to be, right? This is gonna be tough. This is gonna be, you know, this is, is this a sign? But they didn't. They didn't. They they didn't complain about the single beds. They didn't complain about the tight spaces. They didn't give out about the leg room. And they didn't give out about the crappy food. Or maybe they did, but they just didn't care. So instead of going over on two merchant ships, they went over on one, the Mayflower. 
This is a ship that's about 80 feet long and 24 feet wide. And they traveled over. They brought books with them. They brought ammunition with them. They brought supplies with them. They bought animals with them. And they set sail for the new world. But because it was there was delays and because there was issues, the journey was in storm season. They're crossing the Atlantic. Many of the passengers were so, so sick, they were bedbound. In fact, the storms are so bad that the journal's account of one person been swept overboard. What would your mindset be? Bearing in mind, this journey took 66 days during this horrific thing. Just think about going on an airplane for a few minutes and having 10 minutes of turbulence. And then it's over and you're like, thank God that's over. Or thank God that meal is gone. I, you know, I got off the plane. Now I can go to, you know, Wendy's or Chick-fil-A or McDonald's or, you know, I'll give you some of my favorites. I'll try and indoctrinate you. Denny's or Dickie's or Red Lobster. You know, you gotta have some real good food. You gotta have some barbecue. After one day, we're happy for that. Not even one day. Imagine spending 66 days. Imagine being so sick that you're tired, that you're feeling so miserable. And then things start happening around you because people start to die. And imagine being in this situation where it's easy to think of, you know, the pilgrims as these great people who were just pioneers, who just wanted this better tomorrow. But not all of them were pioneers. There was women and children on this boat as well. Imagine going through that. Being a a chunk of, a set of families on board this boat. And then you have to bury your son. I know I'm not supposed to say this because I'm a right winger and I hate women. But some of the people who died the most on this journey were women. They eventually, after 66 days, get and arrive. But they don't arrive where they're aiming. They arrive, you know, quite in the north of where they were aiming. They were aiming for Virginia and they aim, they land in Cape Cod. But because of the time of year they land, there's not exactly a whole lot they can't get off the seas. Not everyone disembarks. It's not like, we've arrived, get off the plane, thank you, grab your luggage, and see you again soon. We hope, you know, you know all those announcements on the airline, we hope you see you again soon and serve you soon on board a British Airways flight or Aer Lingus flight or whatever it is. This didn't happen on the Mayflower. This, was, this wasn't take your baggage and make sure you don't leave anything behind and see ya. A lot of people stayed on board. Because it was a harsh winter. Now just think of the actual numbers. There's 101 people on the Mayflower. Roughly 50 of them die. Imagine having to bury people. Imagine seeing your wife die. Imagine seeing your son or daughter die. Imagine seeing your husband die. You've taken this risk for a brighter tomorrow. To explore this new idea. To be free. To be the way man was meant to be, free and not chained. At some point, you gotta look at the cost around you, where you're sick, you're tired, you're miserable. The smell on that boat must have been horrific. Of poo-poo and pee-pee and illness and death and seasickness. I can't imagine it was like Febreze all over. 
Imagine the mindset they must have had. How tempting would it be? You know what? Maybe we've made a mistake. Maybe we should go back. And then you get onto land. And then you get onto land and you start planting. Imagine the feelings and the habits that you would have had to build. You've been on a boat for all these months. Now you gotta, you can run around wherever you want. Might be easy just to go, hey, I'm free. I want to run around and play. But you can't because you know supplies are low. You know stocks are low. You know you've got to start working. And you have to start tilling the land. You have to start tilling the soil. You've got to start planting. And then anyway, you survive and you start planting and then things start to bloom and grow. What would you do back to, would you do then? This is why your founders were exceptional. This is why your pilgrims were different. Because they never thought about, well, they're entitled to a bit of good luck. Because sure, if you look at things in a certain way, you might say they were entitled to a bit of good luck. They could say, you know, we made this risk. We decided to risk everything to travel over to America. I survived the illnesses. I survived the storms. I survived that brutal winter on the Atlantic Ocean. I survived Cape Cod. I survived all the hard work of building my house, my property. I survived the labor intense of tilling the soil and planting some crops. I'm now entitled, entitled to have some good luck. I'm entitled to get this crop. I'm entitled to what I receive. How many people think they're entitled today? They're entitled to everything, yet work for nothing. But your pilgrims were not like that. They didn't go, well, I'm entitled to this. I've I'm just cashing in the rewards. I'm reaping what I've sold for the last year and a half. No, they didn't do that. They decided to give a day of thanks. They actually decided to have a day, a tree day, three days of thanksgiving. For the first harvest. They had a celebration with the natives. And the natives who welcomed them. Who helped them. Who showed them some tips on how to hunt. And how to till the sand and till the soil. The first Thanksgiving was attended by roughly 90 people. Sorry, 90 Native Americans and about 50 people. So 140 people all in. They gave... Thanks by having a day of prayer for God giving them their blessing. America is, in my opinion, a covenant nation. You made a covenant with God. Your pilgrims made that covenant. They explored and set out to find that faraway land that I believe was put aside for people yearning to be free. They found it, but never ever forgot the real person who deserves thanks. So many times when we get things, we work hard. We work hard with our hands. We work hard with our mind. We work hard with our soul. And then when we get rewards, we forget what made that really possible. Because in large chunks of time, it isn't us. But it's a mindset to have. It's a habit to have. That is why I believe and why I speak out so much against socialism on an every opportunity I get. 
Because socialism, I believe, destroys your soul. It makes you think you're entitled to everything. And when you think you're entitled to everything, and everything is an entitlement that should be bestowed upon you, there's no room to be thankful. There's no room to be give thanks to a creator. Whether you believe that's God, Allah, or a stone, or whatever you believe it in. What do you believe in Big Bang? There was some type of creator. That initial flash was a creation. It just didn't happen. This idea of being thankful. To say, you know what? We couldn't do this by ourselves. And that we needed that bit of luck. But then we fast forward from your pilgrims. On to 1789. By the way, this is something I always find funny before we get to 1789 and George Washington. After the first Thanksgiving, a couple of years later, they celebrated another Thanksgiving. And the Thanksgiving was for rain because there was a horrific drought. I always find this funny as an Irishman just because, you know, I'm an outsider. I see things slightly different. But I can't, as someone who's grown up in Ireland who has had rain pretty much nearly in some way, shape or form every day of his life or sure feels that way. I can never see myself being thankful for rain. But maybe if you're in a drought, it's important to understand. Again, I'm not trying to convert you to Christianity. I'm not trying to get you to go to Jesus. I'm trying to get you to think about creator, even if it's mother nature. Mother nature being the ultimate creator, if that's what you believe. But there's something higher than yourself. This is the problem where you have socialist governments. When you have governments that give and take rights, there is no responsibility to those higher than you. Because you, if you can give rights and you can take rights, well, that makes you pretty high. Whereas in America, you're built on the idea that, no, 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 it's our job to protect those rights. They, someone else, our creator gives us those. But fast forward, you have the first Thanksgiving, the second Thanksgiving. You go through declaring your independence. We go through all those battles. We went through it earlier this year where we talked about the Declaration of Independence. You fight the Revolutionary War. You get to 1787 and you ratify the Constitution. And it's now 1789 and George Washington is your first president. The great General George Washington. And he decides it's important to give a Thanksgiving proclamation. He designated it for the people of the United States a day of Thanksgiving to be held on Thursday the 26th of November 1789. And this marked the first celebration of a holiday that now everyone celebrates. Because he understood The idea of giving thanks. If you read enough George Washington and you read how he led, he encouraged people giving thanks. He encouraged prayer for when they won great battles. He he always understood the idea of giving thanks. That they're not alone in this world. And understanding everything you have overcome. If you have read anything of your founding. Anything. Whether it's the brutal winter whether it's the French getting involved, whether it's fighting the Hessians, whether it's the morale after defeat after defeat, the keep on fighting. Read any part of your history, 
where you've beaten the British and then you have to ratify the Constitution and there's all these big debates and even Washington wasn't there and then he gets summoned. There was a divine hand that created and helped form America, the country that we know it today. Those 13 colonies came together to achieve something bigger than themselves. Together, men and women of those 13 colonies worked with their minds, with their hearts, with their souls, with their fingertips to make something that was better than themselves. The idea that we are all created equal. It was critical for George Washington in George Washington's mind that America, the American people, give thanks. But then we fast forward to September 28th, 1863. President Lincoln. There's an urging for him during the Civil War to give a day of thanks. On October 3rd, 1863, he gave a proclamation. You can read it yourself. It's the Lincoln Proclamation. It's important to give thanks. It's important to remember your history. But also, it's absolutely critical for America to understand what you should be thankful for. I'd ask you to look around today and ask yourselves, what should you be thankful for? You know, we live in this great world where opportunities exist. Where we are literally spoiled beyond our wildest imaginations of the world we live in. And we take so much of it for granted. You know, if you look at the history of the world, what do you think? It's 5,000 years old or 6 billion years old or whatever. 100 billion years old. I don't care what the number is. And you look at the history of man and you just study a study a snapshot of it. The ideas of electricity, the ideas of indoor plumbing, the ideas of central heating, the ideas of telephones are relatively new ideas. They exist for less than 1% of time that man has existed. We are truly blessed. We have consoles now that can entertain us beyond our wildest imagination. We have Netflix, you have Disney+, Plus. you have all these different things, you have Playstations, you have the iPads. You can have access to more information today than you could ever have had before. You have more information on your telephone today than Bill Clinton had access to as the most powerful man in the world as President of the United States just in 1992 to 2000. Many people are thankful for that. But it's absolutely critical to understand it's not about being thankful for the material objects. It's important to say, wow, isn't it great and how important we are to live in these times where we have electricity. I, for one, never want to go back to a time where there's not indoor plumbing. I think it's bad enough, especially in winter where it's cold right now, where it's like 30 degrees in the, at night in, and during the day in Ireland right now, where in the middle of the night when I need to go pee-pee, i got to walk across a really cold floor with cold tiles, go pee-pee, and then jump back into bed as quickly as possible because it's freaking cold. That's That's a chore to me. I don't want it to be outside. Never want to live in that time. Ever, 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 ever. I'm thankful to have an indoor toilet that flushes, that water comes and flushes my pee-pee down the toilet, down the loo or down the liffy, wherever it goes. 
but it's also important to remember what made it possible. And at the core of that is America the idea. And that is something I strive to tell you each and every week to understand. This is not about left or right or Republican or Democrat, Trump, Biden, Warren or or Sanders or anyone else. It's about the idea. It's about preserving that idea in our hearts, in our minds, and in our souls. Because if we forget, if we forget, and I include myself in this, if we forget that idea, if we forget that America is a covenant nation, is a nation that got a lot of help from a creator, that it is something special, something unique, something exceptional, and should be defended and remembered and preserved. If we forget that, may God have mercy on all our souls. finish up today's show by explaining why I spoke about this this week. If you're a long-term listener, if you're a listener this year, I've shared some of the stuff that's happened in my life. Not all of it, because I don't, honestly, I don't want to bore you, and I don't like talking about myself. But this year has been... One of the hardest years of my life. And I cannot remember a point in my life where I need Thanksgiving, Christmas, and New Year more than I need it right now. And I want to share why. Because some of you might be feeling the same way. And if you are, I encourage you to think of a this as a journey. Because I shared some of the stuff, some of my battles that I was going through in the summer that I still go through on a daily basis. Lately, because of everything that's been going on, I have really been unhappy. And the reason I don't share it is because I don't want to come on behind this microphone. I have an hour of your time, or just over an hour. And I never want to waste it. And you guys have enough of your own problems. You don't need to listen to a podcast about an Irish guy. I'm so sad. I don't feel good. Oh, boo. So I put the best face on and the best show I can. But I got into this mindset. And why I did this show was mostly for myself. But also because I know... Some of you guys got something really important from when I shared my struggles in the summer. Because truthfully, my mindset for the last couple of months really has sucked. Because everything is annoying me, everything is frustrating me. And everything is just treating me badly. I'm struggling in my job more than I have ever struggled in a job in my whole life. And I've had some pretty important jobs in the, in the sense of a company. I've been a, a sales and business manager. I've, you know, 
what I did was, you know, part, you know, was kind of responsible for other people's jobs. So I've had a lot of responsibility. But I am struggling every day. And I think I can't remember if I told you guys this on the air, but earlier this year I was in a car crash. And it wasn't a, it was a weird car crash in the sense that there was no damage to the car, but I, my neck and my shoulder and my muscles and my left hand and my arm are incredibly sore. I get pins and needles and a lot of different sensations. And I do a physical job. And there's a few issues in my job, which you don't need to know about. But I literally wake up every day just going to survive. I just got to get through this day and I just got to get through this week. And then I got to get through this month. And literally I've been counting down the weeks to Christmas, not because I want to celebrate, you know, our Savior been born, but literally so I can get to a point where this craziness in work stops. And I've literally been in this mindset of just wanting to survive. And everything just gets to you. And it's really easy to get bitter. I don't know if you guys feel this way, but it's so easy to get bitter and resentful about things. You know, I look around and look at people and, you know, when you work in retail, as someone who says, you know, every week, talking to you guys, America is great because Americans are good. I'm talking about your people. And then, you know, if you work in retail for five minutes, you really understand how people suck, how people are just, oh my God, I, I, I can't say on this, on this show legally and I, I don't use that type of language when I can, what people are. But you can fill in any adjective, you're pretty much right. And you look around, that's humanity, and you kind of go, oh, you look at people in retail, just we're screwed. It's done. Let's just give up. And it's hard to have hope because there's no humanity. People are all about themselves. They hit off you. They brush off you. They're ignorant to you. They're so demanding. And they always think they're right. But I also look at my life when I'm getting, you get frustrated where I don't want to be here. And it's so easy to get bitter. And I've spoken about this in the past where I don't want fame or fortune. I want to serve. I want to help the country I love. I want to serve the people I belonged with. I believe I belong in America. I believe I have something to do. But yet, as I keep searching for a way and I'm so searching and I'm searching and I'm searching. And every time I go, yeah, I could do this. Boom, a shutter comes down. And then I get rejected. And then I build it up again. And then I start searching. And I go, maybe I could get there this way. And then I get a bit of hope. And then, boom, door shut, slam shut. And at some point, you just go. And it's easy to fool yourself and kid yourself that you're somehow more noble or more deserving or, or even entitled to it. I know I've done that recently where it shouldn't be this hard for me. And all of this has led to a lot of scar tissue and negative emotions and negative habits forming in my mind. Again, I'm not sharing this to looking for poor me. I'm just sharing this because I know some of you may be going through the same. It is awful easy to feel bitter and it's awful easy to have a pity party and say, poor me, woe is me, life sucks. But one of the important things to understand is, is creating a habit to change that. 
Because guess what? When you have a pity party, if you're looking, if I look at my life and go, my life sucks, I'm in a country I don't want to be in, and I want to be somewhere else, and I have that pity party, and it could all be legit. And I would argue maybe it is. I think it is. I've leg- I think I have legitimate grievances. I think I'm a pretty level-headed guy. I don't, I'm not looking for special treatment, but it's so hard to get to your country. And it's so frustrating. But you can have that pity party. Guess what? That pity party could last a minute, an hour, a day, a week. The problem still exists. We need to create habits to change that. To change your future. To look forward to do a different way. And sometimes that answer involves something you're not going to like. It may involve a step backwards. It may involve a step sideways. We don't always change our habits and go forward. Sometimes we've got to, you know, assess things and make a different move. It's not always forwards. It can be backwards or sideways. Or maybe in a whole different direction. I'm working hard to change my habits. I'm working hard to change my emotions. Because I am so desperate to serve your people. And I am so desperate because next year is such a critical year in your history. 2020 is a huge year. Because of the 400 year anniversary of what we just spoke about. Of the Mayflower leaving. Obviously you have the elections, I'm not going to be focused on them. But I see the world yearning for principles. And America is the only country that has ever spoken of these principles. The principles of nature's law and nature's God. Freedom is on life support right now. Actual freedom is on life support in America and around the world. And it's up to us how we deal with it. And it's critical that we build these habits that are positive. That we're encouraging people. That we're painting a brighter tomorrow for all Americans and for all people around the world. That you can have these principles too. So many people around the world are just trying to survive. They're trying to just get through this day, this week, this month, this election. Is that all we are to do? I ask this as just a human being. Is this what life is about? Is this, is this as good as it gets? Is surviving just the goal? Is surviving just the aim? I also ask it as a Christian. Is surviving just the aim? Is that all we're supposed to do? Or at some point are we supposed to really start thriving? And when I say thriving, I don't mean economically. I mean in every sense. Look around at the world today. Who is thriving? Who is really happy? Is it the people who are just dealing with their own lives and serving others, or is it the people who are heavily involved in social media? Is it natural to have so much hate every day around you? Is it healthy to have so much negativity all the time around you? And I know someone who will always message me anytime I say this, what you want us to do, give up and just leave politics? No, people got to fight in politics. But how do you fight? And then invariably, this conversation will always go down the same road. Well, John, good guys get crushed. Well, whose fault is that? What way do you want to go forward? 
What way was your nation built? When, what do Americans respond to time after time, whether you're left or right? Do they respond to negativity and fear? Or do they respond to a brighter, healthier tomorrow? Whether it's you're going to go to the moon. Whether it's Mr. President, tear down this wall. The simple question is, what colors do you want to paint the world in today? Do you want to paint them in black and white? With a bit of gray? Well, there's the left and there's the right and there's the, you know, those moderates and centrists. There's the Trumpers and the never Trumpers. Because that's black and white. Or do you want to paint in bold pastels? Which is principles. Which is aspirational. Which is actually working together to actually achieve the vision your founder set out. That idea that we are all created equal. And that we have a God-given right to pursue our happiness. Whether other people like it or not. We have that right because we only have one life. I don't know about you guys, but I cannot wait for these holidays. Because I need them. I need to, I need a reset. Because I can see freedom slipping away. And I know people always, there are some people who listen to this and take that as an insult to Donald Trump. Not everything revolves around Donald Trump. I hate to break it to some of you people. This is not a pro-Trump or a never-Trump comment. Trump doesn't even figure into that equation. But look around the world. Where is nature's law and freedom actually growing? Where are people becoming more free? Look in America. Where are people becoming more free? What freedoms are you getting back from the government? Do you have the Fourth Amendment, the Second Amendment, the First Amendment, the Fifth Amendment? Which rights are more secure than they were two years ago, one year ago, four years ago, ten years ago, twenty years ago? Name one. Now name the rights that have become less secure in that same time frame. I keep harping back to Ronald Reagan's quote. And it's one of the quotes that keeps me going. If not you, who? If not now, when? I know you're all tired. Believe me, if I had a magic wand, look, I love you guys from the bottom of my heart. I'm, I am so blessed to have you as an audience and your care and support. I know I've not met some of you and I've only engaged with you, some of you briefly, but I truly love you guys. This audience is amazing. But if there was a point in time where I could, you know what, walk away from this microphone, I would gladly do it. I would do it singing and dancing. You know, there are times like today where I've worked a 10 and a half, 11 hour day physical work. I was up at 4.45, 4.55 this morning. And I had to come home and do this show. There, If I didn't have to do that, if I, if I could have just come home and sat in my recliner and done a bit of reading, I would have been so happy. No offense to you guys, but if there's a time when I don't have to do that show, I want to live in that world. I'm not here for fame or fortune. There's a reason I do everything I do for free. Because I don't necessarily need the money. I'm not rich. I'm not even comfortable. But money means nothing to me. It's not that important. Freedom is what's important. 
And I want us to work together, especially in 2020, because I believe it's a big year. And there's some events that are going to be huge. But also because, and I don't want to share too many details with you now, but all I'd ask you to, as I finish up today's show is, is to keep me in your prayers. Because I'm going to make a huge gamble in 2020. But I'm also giving myself an ultimatum in 2020. I'm going to risk absolutely everything I have to make an impact in 2020. I don't know the full details, but I know I've lived too comfortable for too long. And I'm going to make easily the biggest risk of my life. If there's an equivalent, if I may give you a sporting analogy, what I'm about to do is go to Vegas and have all my chips and go all in on one color. I'm going all in on America. But also, there is no comeback for me if this doesn't work. I will, for whatever reason I don't make it, I'm going to walk away. I will share more details about what's on my heart in the coming weeks and in the new year. But I've decided it's now or never. I've decided that 2020 is a big year for America historically. And I'm going to do everything I can to serve you and help you. But I need some luck. In fact, I need a miracle. Just something to think about as you approach Thanksgiving. I hope you enjoy it. I hope you have a very peaceful and blessed Thanksgiving. Eat lots of turkey, lots of stuff, and eat lots of taters and all different types of gravy. There will be no show next week because next week is Thanksgiving and y'all have got better things to do than listen to a crazy Irish guy talk about freedom. But we'll be back the first Saturday in December with a lot of things to discuss, a lot of principles. And then we start gearing up for 2020. Because America, the idea that your pilgrims risked their lives for and some paid the ultimate price and sometimes your founders paid the ultimate price and every generation of Americans has paid the ultimate price for is America is an idea. And the world must know what that idea is and it must be painted in loud pastels and said with a clear, loving voice. As always, we salute your police, your firefighters, your emergency personnel, and your vets, the men and women who will be working this Thanksgiving. We give you an extra salute. You guys and girls deserve it. And lastly, I salute you, the American people. Never ever forget America is great because Americans are good. You are the secret sauce. And you are the secret sauce to making America survive and prosper like never before. And that work starts today. Until next time. God bless each and every one of you, and God bless America. Freedom versus freebies. This is Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on the Blaze Radio Network. 